you know, every year we get another several million, if not billion, uh, you know, consumers buying smart speakers. Um, and so that, that experience just keeps growing. Um, and a lot of folks are kind of ignoring that, um, especially some of these more mature industries, um, because they're just, they don't, you know, they don't want to consider it. But it's like, Hey, if you've got, if you've got a product that's connects to a smart home, um, then you can probably imagine that folks are shopping that way as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back at it again. Design Huddle. If you're not, if you're new to Design Huddle, it's a podcast where we step inside the minds of some of our most creative friends from a variety of disciplines. We explore how design impacts everyday our everyday lives, and how we can also work together to make to design a better future. So today we have an amazing guest. We have Kevin Marshall. He's the UX director at a full service integrated agency called The Basement. Uh, super excited to have him aboard. Mustafa's out sick today. No worries. We'll I'll double up the energy and all of his awesome questions today. But Kevin, welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you. How are you doing today? Thanks, Ryan. Well, and thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk to you and your audience the, this morning. So I'm doing great, actually. Uh, it's Friday, as we said, and it's uh, nice and sunny out. It's not too hot, which has been kind of a good relief. But uh, yeah, just Love excited it. to have a nice conversation with you today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. The summer has been, I'm like, I just never want the summer to end. I'm like a big summer guy. So it's just like, <laughs> I just kind of want it to just stay July and August. I actually like, I know people are not as into the peak summer heat, but I am like, give me this any day over the Northeast slush that I typically get. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm it's loving not it. Fun. By like, yeah. By March, you're just dreading like <laughs> anything cold. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, all right, cool. So let's just dive into it a little bit. Um, UX director for a full service agency seems like a, a, it seems like you have to do a lot when you're in that role. So I think one thing that I wanted to start with is if you could just start with how did you get into UX and how did you find your way to the basement? Oh man, that is a long uh, curvy path for me. Um, I love to tell everybody the story that it's like, um, well, for me anyways, my personal journey is, it's kind of like being in an adventure game, right? You got like a knapsack on your back and you find all these cool things and you put them in your knapsack and you're like, yeah, I'm going to use that. This is going to be a good reward later on in my life. So started off bachelor of fine arts in graphic design, wanted to work for a traditional advertising agency, you know, did all my stuff in illustration, photography, all that good stuff. Um, was horrible at it. Could not get my foot in the door. Uh, you know, and it, for some reason, just didn't have the uh, the pedigree credentials that ad agencies at the time were looking for. Um, even though I had this like wonderful portfolio, and I was super excited to do the work. Um, so I ended up having to kind of go around and uh, work for different marketing agencies. One of them was in the agricultural business. It's Indiana, so you know what do you, yeah. what do you expect? 
Um, but through that, I had a wonderful mentor who taught me some coding, um, specifically DOS, and which was at the time, you know, super rough for an artist to learn um, because we didn't have a lot of WYSIWYG tools uh, available to us. So from there, launched into going into video production because the video production company was using these Silicon Graphics workstations and doing early 3D animation. And um, I was an artist with that weird left brain, right brain kind of thing. So I went into that, learned a little bit about motion graphics and motion design, which I then carried forward in micro interactions that I do today. Um, went from there, did a little bit of consulting. Oh, wow. This is awesome. You did, you've done that, it all. You've done it all. Oh, I love man. It. I love it. I did. I went from consulting uh, and then that like went miserable. We had a big tech bubble burst and we all got scattered to the wind. And I said, screw that. I'm going to go into teaching. Uh, so I taught for Purdue um, at IEPUI for about seven years. And that was, um, to me, a big eye-opener because I had to, like, not only um, show people how to do design, but I had to explain why I was designing the way I was designing. So that, that was always the tough one. So instead of just, you know, we all have our tips and tricks of things that we do. Um, it's like, yeah, in Photoshop, I know I click here, 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 and, I, and this is the filter that I use for 90% of my designs. Um, there, you know, you had people challenge you. They were like, hey, why do, you, why do you do it this way? You know, why why do we have to do it that way? Um, so I found that I had to really break things down, especially in terms of the language of design um, and interaction. That's such um, an interesting just point um, on, like, the education piece of design, where it's like, you can be a rock star designer, but I think you really kind of can become an expert when you can explain it clearly and make something like yeah. something like more junior designers or someone that's not a designer. So we talk about that a lot, being able to communicate, you know, design principles to someone that has no idea what like a design system is. So do you have any like tips though? I mean, I obviously teaching sure. at like an awesome university like Purdue is like a, a really big deal. Any like tips for people that are like in mentoring um like if you're a if you're a more senior designer and you're mentoring someone mm -hmm. junior like what advice do you have for them well so the biggest thing for me was just to be humble uh to yeah. be humble and not be greedy I, I know that sounds kind of weird but don't hang on so tightly to your tips and tricks and your special things that you've learned um the thing that i discovered which i thought was super cool was that i let go of all these things that I had learned, you know, these little like secrets, shortcuts, um, you know, uh, color palettes that I thought, you know, were really cool and, and so forth and how to get to there. Um, and I learned that when I gave those out to students, when I gave those out to people I were mentoring, I got it back like a thousandfold. So I found that people would come back to me and be like, oh, hey, you know that cool technique you showed us on how to, you know, do this? Um, I discovered that, and did you know that you could do this, this, and this? So I like, so I got like twice, three times back, you know, what I gave. Um, and that's the biggest thing is just, you know, share your experience with folks, share your, your closest guarded secrets. Um, and don't be afraid to give those up, you know, no, I love that. people will see that and, and, and they'll bring it back to you. Too. No, that's, that, that, that's amazing advice. So we went from consulting to per Purdue. What's after Purdue? Yeah. So did that for a while. Then they were kind of pushing me to get a PhD. At the time, I did not know of anybody in design that had a PhD. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um, I happened to do some work for the Children's Museum of Indianapolis. 
and just loved the vibe uh, that that place gave off. And they had an opening, and so I I saw my I saw my opportunity. I went up against like seven hundred other people that were trying to go for this job. Oh it was wow, a that's awesome! Job, but it was like management of interactives in the museum. Um, so I went for it. Since I had done some freelance work for those folks during my tenure as a professor, um, I, thankfully I was able to make some connections and get in there. And that is when, for me, UX really like took off. Like I was teaching usability at Purdue, um, but it was the old school stuff. You know, it was like it's basic U UI stuff, like you know, hierarchy and colors and uh, you know the way you you know, do the taxonomy of information and things like that. But being at the museum, I got to see truly how people worked with things. So, you know, I was designing interactives. I was working with the educational branch of the museum to like figure out goals and why, you know, why, why we would want children and adults and their parents to interact with these things, but we were trying to show them. Um, and then some of them were online. Some of them were kiosk based. Um, some of them were uh, kind of a mixture of hybrid of like physical with software. And so I got exposed to this huge arena of not only design um, and interaction, but the eye-opening response of um, exposing my own bias of what I thought people would interact with, putting it out on the floor, and then watching it fail miserably. You did you guys, so did you, is, did you guys, it's kind of in a way, I love, I love that you have the background of doing both like digital and like working in physical spaces too, and kind of bridging that gap. I find that incredibly interesting. I do not have any experience kind of doing that. I've been pretty much just web-based my entire career, but um, I would love to know, like, so like when you have a website, right, it's easy to like A-B test, uh, is the button blue or green? Which one do users like better? But when you're taking something like, you know, A-B testing or like, you know, doing user research for lack of a better word, like at a children's museum, it, it's like the stakes, like, how did you do it? Was it based off of like a child's reaction? How many kids went up to it? Like, how did you think about whether or not your design was successful in that situation? Yeah, so for me, um, that that exposed the whole area of discovery and research and getting feedback. So we started figuring out, oh yeah, we've got to, we've got to go out on the floor, we've got to grab a clipboard, we've got to do observational. Very um, cool. Discovery. So I got into a ton of that, which was just kind of sitting back and, and watching people interact with it. We tried to put as many triggering mechanisms as we could within the software program so we could kind of see where people would fall off. But the reality was, uh, for me anyways, uh, was watching people in the environment, which brought up a huge discovery for me, which is that, you know, a lot of times we design based on we think, we think people are going to be staring at the screen and totally mesmerized by whatever experience we have. But we forget that they have tabs open. Yeah. There are people talking next to them. There's light coming in. Um, they may have a poor internet connection. It, you know, there's all these things that are beyond our control that are in the physical space. Um, and so a lot of times we don't take in those into consideration. So for me, that was huge to, to watch families come in guide each other, make huge mistakes that I didn't think were possible. possible. Yeah, of course, um, right. And then try to figure out, oh, God, how, how do we even fix this thing? Um, my favorite story is this, if you don't mind me telling. Yeah, no, I would, so, that's what I'm, I'm super interested in this, so I'd love to hear more stories. Sure. So so we had, we had this design of this kiosk, and it was interactivity. And I don't even remember what the interactive game was at the time. 
um, but had a little bench, and we had, um, and they've got wonderful carpenters, by the way, and, and installers at the museum. So they built this thing to specs. You know, we designed it all out, and I was like, yeah, we're going to put a bench here, and yeah. um, we put it there, and we said, oh, hey, when they're done with this, um, let's let them post to social media. Let's let them send like a, them some, a postcard. Um, and so we'll put a little webcam at the top and then the kiosk, we'll put a little hole at the top where, you know, they're supposed to be in a little arrow and it'll say like, you know, look here. Um, and so when they're, when they're done with the activity, you know, they'll press it and it says, you know, send yourself a postcard, look here. Well, I kid you not, Ryan, every time someone would walk up to that kiosk, they wouldn't even sit down at the bench. They would walk over to where the hole was. They'd stick their eye in the hole and they would go, I don't see anything. I don't get it. And then they would walk away. That's so funny. Huge eye-opening moment for me, (laughs) which was, that was the first instruction that they saw was a giant arrow pointing to a hole that said, look here. So that's what they did. And then that was it. Never sat down on the bench. They would just walk away. (laughs) So how did you end up... uh... Did the museum, so the, I just like want to, this museum thing is super interesting. There's a, an incredibly popular um, muse, children's museum in Philly called the Please Touch Museum. So it's designed nice. to be interactive. It's just like a super cool, um, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable, well, well designed. I think designing for families and children and multiple different types of audience was also it. Whereas like as a parent, you can enjoy it as, you know, if you, if you like grandparents, anybody bringing their children, the children themselves, it's like unbelievable how they, everything is like, like, you know, like there's a, uh, what do they call Like the tables that have, uh, like a water table where kids can kind of interact with different components. But it's funny because the table is like much lower because it's like, you can't design it for an adult, like at their waist, right? You have to design it for like, you know, a, a young kid that's the target audience. So it's just like little things like that, that I like really appreciate. And I could just see myself being in a role where I'm like, I understand design, but then it's like, you don't see, you don't actually fully understand the audience until you're observing it, which is something that I think more and more people get away from, but that also will help debunk like your own biases and like ways you perceive things. Um, that's why I always like, I'm a big fan of like designing in groups and then, and that doesn't even mean with other designers, but other people contributing to the overarching idea and the designer's job is to kind of pull those ideas together. So it makes sense so that the end product, you know, you can maybe down the, down the line, right? Like the next time you design something like that, you're going to change the way that you do it. So I'd love to, so how did you end up like resolving the problem? Did you guys scrap that project, move on? Did you go back and fix it? Like, well, how did it, how did it end? Yeah, we went back and fixed it. Actually, you know, we had to change where the webcam was. We got rid of the signage. Uh, we did a little bit more of an onboarding, which was, you know, big like one, two, and three. You know, here's what we want to do. Yep. We really focused more on letting them work in the interactive itself, and then the interactive itself then at the end would point up to the camera. So just simple little changes like that. You know, where you think. Uh, you know, I get it. It's a it's a big arrow, and you're gonna look at the at the arrow. Um, we just removed it, moved it into the actual interactive itself, and just that was it. No, you know, that's, and, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and that's one of the other eye opening things too. Is sometimes it's the it's the tiniest little tweak that you make to something um, that just improves the experience so much more. Yeah, that, that's a great. Uh, it's always the attention to details, right? So that's the things that yeah. give you that, that extra user delight is like what I like to use that little extra, something special yes. that keeps them coming back. 
Um, that's awesome. That's super cool. That's like you're the first person in my design community that's done something like with like museums and the children element and like connecting physical with digital. So that's super cool. Um, so you had that role as like, you know, leading, you know, I guess like design and product integration at the museum. Then what did you do after that? Yeah. So after that, um, there was a, another gentleman that I was working with, uh, saw on a freelance basis and he was wanting to launch a, a startup. Um, so he kind of lured me away <laughs> with promises of, Hey, let's do this really cool software. Uh, let's build this package. That's going to talk to, um, it was for dealerships for car dealerships or something. And so, um, I helped him put together the interface for it, uh, worked with a, another friend of mine that developed the back end on it and we launched this software package and it, it, it started off really, really good. Um, but then that is when I learned that I am not an entrepreneur and I have no business <laughs> starting a company. I know nothing about financials. Um, and so, you know, just bad business decisions made by this particular person. Um, and that was the other thing I found as well. There are folks that, who know how to start a company and there are folks that know how to run a company. Very rarely are they the same, <laughs> you know? What was like, so the biggest like, learning from like going down that entrepreneurial path? Obviously like oh the confidence to do that, I always admire, right? Cause you're yeah. kind of like, I have this thing that's somewhat safe that I'm getting more comfortable with. And then you're just like left turn, jump into something totally <laughs> new, not fully sure it's going to work out. So like, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you're saying you're not entrepreneurial, but like everything you've said to me so far is like you're a self-starter. You like when you, new new opportunities and ideas come up. So I'd love to say like, if, if you had to do that opportunity again, was there anything you'd do different? Or would you probably just say like, no, it really wasn't what I was looking for? Yeah, I learned the, um, I learned the value of a contract. Uh, let's just put it that way. None of us had contracts, none of mm. us had agreements. And so when things went south, Gotcha. Um, since the person holding all the cards had all the cards, he just kind of went and then left the rest of us kind of, you know, dangling in the air. Um, that is a tough, but very, very powerful lesson. So that's actually great. It's, that gets yeah, up in writing. It's huge. As designers, I think there's two things that we hate talking about. We hate talking about money, you know, and, and finances, and we hate talking about contracts. Um, you know, so it's like, just let me get into the, the head of the consumer. Let me design, let me be creative. Um, and then, you know, someone wants to pump the brakes on you and go, oh, I want you to, you know, consider this contract and let's look through all the legalese of that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's just the reality of, of, you know, some of the things we do in business, which is, you know, you got to sit down and go, okay, yeah, let's look at the, let's look at the boring stuff. Um, yeah, but you know, it. you know, what's funny is that, um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's just like people, people just don't like talking about it, but, um, Chris Doe, who runs the, the future, um, um, his podcast, they kind of started to really unpack this and debunk this stuff and like air out, like when he was starting an agency or when he was freelance, how to charge clients, how to have that contractual obligation, how to say no to clients, how to make sure that you're getting what you're worth because designers are constantly yeah. undercutting themselves, especially when they're more junior. Um, also explaining the design process and how it's not just like you hop into a design application for a couple of hours and then you send it over to your client. Like yes. basically there's a lot of the design community um, for design in a lot of ways is just being an effective communicator. But sometimes we miss the part where we need to educate people on the process. So that's like the, my yes. number one thing that I like love hearing about is like the process. So 
Um, after your entrepreneurial endeavors, are we at the basement yet, or do we still have more no, jobs? We're still not there. Um, actually, I did. I should I should preface this so that I have known the folks at the basement. I, I knew the founders um, yeah. for uh, probably about a decade. So I did my master's degree. I did my an internship with them. Um, then when they were with another agency, they split off. Um, they had me do some motion graphics, some After Effects work for them at one point and kind of asked me to join them. And I was like, no, I, I'm going to do this thing over here. Um, and so um, when I was at the Children's Museum, I then hired them to do some projects for me um, just because I, I had that personal connection and I loved the work they did. I loved the culture. Um, and I would say secretly along the way, I always thought, oh, man, I really I missed the boat. I should have I should have joined these guys, you know, when I had the opportunity. Um, but the neat thing was I still have my knapsack on, I'm still collecting all these cool little things. And I don't think I would have been able to give as much value to them, um, as I do right now. So it was those little experiences along the way that even though they're not super positive, you learn from them, you grow, you pick up, okay, this is how I want to do it. You know, with teaching, here's how I want to mentor. Um, with the with the early looking at the software and the entrepreneur thing, yeah, I do like software design. I I understand this. I love working with engineers and developers. Um, I need to work more on contracts and understanding a little bit better. Um, so from there, I did. I went went to a software company, um, a wonderful company called Perk, um, and that is where I really dug in my heels with um, uh, the whole concept of working in an agile environment. Um, splitting my time between three different development teams, um, doing stand-ups, uh, going through the, the you know just the the nitty-gritty of here's how you point a story and here's how you participate and here's how you go from the whole process of explaining to somebody of like here's the discovery, here's what I hear you saying, Mr. Stakeholder. Um, but first of all, I'm going to do my due diligence and make sure that we're solving the problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. Uh, and, and then start going through the design process along with that. So yep. that was huge for me as well. And and that has served me well from there. Then we went, did Perk for about five, six years, had an opportunity to do a little bit more consulting. Um, again, grew more. Um, was able to start leading some design teams. In Perk, I actually went from being the sole UX designer to um, being the, the UX manager architect um, Very cool. probably within two years. That's we awesome. Went from one person to six people. What do you think um, uh, like allowed you, because that's a very common question that um, we, we ask other people that are you know, have kind of made twists and turns throughout their design career. How do you make yeah. that jump, right? From going from like, I hear a lot that designers kind of fall in a routine and they kind of plateau. Um, yeah. How did you take that step up to start like taking on more responsibilities, managing a team, managing a bigger scope? Any advice to get to that point? Yeah, you know, just it kind of, again, goes back to that humble uh, approach to things. Yeah. And, and thinking of yourself as a mentor versus a manager. You know, early on, I got really bad advice, um, the, the old school way of managing people. And I just learned from being in these different situations that that wasn't for me. And as as managing creative people, you're better off mentoring creative people. Um, so it's it's having um, casual conversations with folks. It's understanding 
where they want to go in their career path and then helping them and equipping them and moving them forward in that yeah. and giving them opportunities. So I'm constantly asking folks, Hey, um, you know, you've, you've been working on this uh, design system now for like a couple months. Are you ready to like hand it off to somebody and get some relief? Do you want to tap out uh, and let somebody else take over? Um, because, you know, I've got some other opportunities if you want to do some more research if you want to do some more design to more concepts. Um, so it's, it's just listening to folks and looking for opportunities to, to support them. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is you, you kind of, you have to remove yourself from being in the forefront. Some people like to lead at the front. Some people like to lead at the back. I like to lead at the back. I like to give them opportunities and say, Hey, here's, here's something really cool. Um, I, you know, we had a conversation the other day at lunch and you talked about how you've never done a prototype uh, for mobile. Um, so I've got this, we've got this client coming up, um, and I would love you to take the lead on this project. Um, and I'll be right there behind you, uh, and help you out. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm hearing, I'm hearing a few things. I'm hearing empathy. I'm hearing be approachable. I'm hearing, um, also find the right way to challenge people. I think is a really, it's a, that's great advice. Like sometimes to, to like, being a plateau in a lot of ways is that you're comfort. You're doing the same thing. You're not taking on like something like, you know, doing a, uh, you know, a discipline that you're not typically that you haven't done in the past. So that's super cool. I think that make that's very relatable. Like I've had different times in my own career when it's kind of felt like, you know what I need to, I like that. Uh, there's a, a met, you know, the metaphor of letting go of one vine. So you're in that air yeah. for the split section before you can grab onto the next vine and kind of keep swinging. So, um, that, yeah, that, that totally resonates with me. Yeah, that, that's definitely, that's the hardest transition, especially for someone who's creative, uh, which is giving up the limelight and letting somebody else step into that for you and saying, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, we all get projects that come across our desk and we're like, yeah, this is going to be the most awesome project ever. And then you're like, Oh yeah, this, this person, this junior UX person underneath me, has not had a chance to do this, this, and this. So I'm going to put them on it. Um, and I may sneak in a few designs just to kind of see where the, you know, where the temperature is, but, you know, let them, let them design, let them, you know, get this, get this moving forward and get some experience on that. Um, because it just makes the whole team so much stronger. So that you, you know, that when you really do get that crucial project, you can give it to anybody. Um, and you can split it up and everybody can feel that they have a voice in it. Yeah, that's brilliant. So six years there, kind of took more of a man managerial responsibilities. You probably have, what, another four or five more jobs before the basement, or are we getting yeah, closer? Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't <laughs> that bad. So uh, did, did some more software work, um, and then COVID hit. And COVID, as you know, yeah. everyone went through lockdown. I was working for um, a big financial um, software company, and really – really enjoying what I was doing. And the rumblings were that, Hey, we're all going to go under lockdown. We're going to work from home. Um, so, you know, we thought that's no big deal, you know, and, and everyone kind of shares that similar story, right? Yeah. COVID, which was, can we truly do this? Can we work remotely? Um, and we, we saw, yeah, there's no problem at all. Well, since that particular financial company worked primarily in the auto industry at the beginning of COVID, the auto industry took a dive. Um, so they started laying people off and I remember having a conversation with my boss at the time and going, wow, I, I don't know if that's a good idea. 
um, because we all we all know how this works, right? It's going to go up yep. like this, it's going to go down, then it's going to bounce back. And it's really hard to find qualified folks, especially in the more mature roles. So if you let those people go, um, they're not going to come back. Yeah. And so you really need to take care of them. And, and we're seeing that all over the place, right? Yep. So the companies that did it right were the ones that said, let's, let's figure out a way to hang on. Let's figure out a way to keep limping forward. Um, the companies that did it wrong said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you guys loose. Um, and then, Hey, I'll come back and get you. Um, well, so they tried to do that, this particular company. And then just out of the blue, uh, there was a wonderful opportunity to work with the basement. Um, again, my knapsack, my career, the person that was my intern years and years and years ago, one of my very first jobs was the UX director at the basement. Wow. And That's so cool that she, your network all came full circle. That's awesome. Oh, total for full circle. So when she announced that she had an opportunity to do something very, very cool, um, they said, well, what are we going to do? We love you. How are we going to replace you? And she said, Hey, you should talk to Kevin and see if he would be willing to come on board. So it was just one of those eureka moments. But to me, again, it goes back to that whole, you know, you give and then sometimes it comes back to you. Sometimes it doesn't, but you just have to understand that you kind of got to kind of have to give it up. And usually it'll come back to you tenfold. You know, some people call it karma. I guess you can call it that. Um, but here was this opportunity. And so when they called and said, hey, you want, would you talk to us? I was like, oh, oh, of course. You know, I can't, I can't miss this position. So, um, and that was it. And that's that's where I'm at right now. And no, I love, I love it. it. That's a, it's a great. I think it's like, in a lot of ways, it's relatable. I mean, the twists and turns of a design career or, or any career, it's relatable. I, I like that you didn't just highlight all of the victories. Like you kind of also acknowledged <laughs> the, the missteps and the failures, which in a lot of ways oh, yeah. could ultimately be more valuable. So, yeah, um, yeah th so the basement, I want to talk a little bit about that because it just seems, I checked out the website, I checked out some of the projects you guys did. You guys have worked with companies like the NCAA, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, American College of Education, a ton of national, you know, clients for lack of a <laughs> better word, like companies that you guys <laughs> partnered with to make better design systems or the products. Um, what do you guys specialize in? Like, what do you, what do you, where's the basement? Like if you, if somebody was to come to the basement, like, what do you offer? Sure. Uh, you know, well, several things off the bat. So yeah. first of all, when we say we're a fully integrated agency, we, we truly are. We've got, we've got folks that can ever do everything from help you um, analyze your current market and help you place ads in the specific part of the region where you need to go to get the best, you know, bang for your buck, so to speak. But also um, imaginative, creative storytellers. Um, I've never been at such a, a an agency before where everyone is just amazing. I mean, it, it is it's a truly humbling experience. We've got um, animation designers, we've got um, creative directors, we've got photographers, videographers, editors, um, we've got people that wear many of those hats all at once, um, and it's just it's just a cool experience. It's, it's like, um, if you ever read like art history in the Bauhaus movement where you would hear about these, these like heavy hitters of these groups of artists that would like go out and have beers or whatever all together. And then they would all design and, paint yeah, yeah. and write poetry and music and stuff. That's what it's like. It's, That's awesome. it's truly like being in this amazing, amazing, uh, environment. 
Um, and the culture is fantastic too. So it's, it's very supportive of just making sure that everyone um, is happy, that everyone has what they need. Um, and it just really aligns with, you know, the things that I, that I respect as well. So um, what I know you I, I what kind of passed around the issue, didn't I? So it, it, it's really, it's, it's that full integration, which yeah. is, you know, a lot of times in my past and working in those different companies, you know, we work, we would work maybe with the software team and we would design an application. Well, we, we would run into a wall where we didn't have photography. We didn't have videography. Um, we didn't have branding. Um, at the basement, we never run into that uh, because uh, we, can, we can really do everything. We can launch everything from the creative to the analytical um, and everything in between. So, uh, for instance, right now we're doing um, a huge photo shoot, video shoot for Schlage, um, which is an amazing company. It sells uh, locks, um, especially smart locks. Uh, it's really, cool. really cool, you know, yeah. integrated systems. Everything's in the smart homes now, right? Yep. So we are doing these amazing high-end commercials for them. I know that that is building a huge um, group of assets for me so that when it's my turn to then work on some stuff for them, that I've got, I've got access to this amazing library. I've got folks that have, um, you know, had intimate conversations with, with their stakeholders and I can talk to them and say, okay, what is the messaging for this? And now how can I translate it? I could turn around to our analyst team uh, and, and, and then ask them, you know, what are some of the stats telling us? How are some of these um, social media campaigns working? You know who's responding to what, and it all feeds into each other. So it's just like, it's like, um, it's like this multi-tentacled creature, right? Where it's it's all connected, um, and it all talks to one another. And so we've got we've got access to all of these wonderful things that sometimes in other agencies and things they're kind of siloed, um, and you've got to kind of find out, okay, well, who who does that for this company? Can I talk to them? Will they talk to me? Will they give me some of this information that helps me then, you know, guide my decisions that I don't repeat any design mistakes and so forth moving forward? Um, but you just you don't have that. You've got everything's everything's contained. Yeah, I, I mean the full integration piece is so compelling. Like the idea that you can take a commercial reuse assets, like that's usually such a pain point that you don't have like yeah. good a good baseline or a media library to kind of you know make you know, a website or anything else that can trickle down from that. So that model makes a ton of sense. Um, and you mentioned like the, the culture, which I think is more, probably one of the most important elements that people are looking for right now in their oh, careers. It's just that finding a spot, like a second, a second family, right? Like you're spending more time probably with your coworkers or online at this point with, with, with where you work. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit like about like, what makes a good culture in your opinion? And also like how, what have you done like with like the COVID, you know, being more virtual, have you, have, is there any tips that you have to like try to make culture tough? Cause that is like one of the toughest thing that I think companies of all sizes um, struggle with. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 culture for me is huge. You know, I, I, I just, and I know this sounds kind of trite, but it's, you want to align with folks and kind of have a similar vision. Now, it's okay if they challenge you uh, from a point of view or an opinion and so forth, as long as they do it in a in a way that's you know reciprocal and polite. Mm -hmm. And you know, so there's nothing wrong with having engagement with conversation. Um, but 
you want to make sure it's the same kind of values that you have because you want to you want to feel good about working with the folks that you work with and share some things. Um, you know, we don't have to have the same taste in music, but we probably both like music, so we want to talk about some cool stuff that we've you know listened to in the past. Um, so some some tips for that. A lot of it is, especially remotely, is staying engaged. Uh, one of the things we implemented, or I implemented when I first got there, was um, we split the creative department into two. And looking back on my days in software development and agile, um, even though we weren't were an agency, and and we and I could talk for like you know years on like yeah, how to sure. like transform an agency into an agile agency based on software, um, but I wanted to try to do some of those practices. Which were stand-ups. So I wanted to have just a just a check-in every morning. Uh, so my team we check in for like 15 minutes, and it's just a quick little roundtable of, you know, hey, how you doing today? Um, what are you working on? What do you need help with? Um, what did you do yesterday? Um, how's your dog? <laughs> you know, fun things like that. Um, and then great, have a great day. And we'll see you later. And we've just, that's just been something that everybody looks forward to. You know, you just check in. You've got meetings, which are nice. Um, but this is just a simple, you know, hey, how you doing? It's the whole, you know, when you first get to work or you used to get to work and you have yeah. coffee and, and everybody's kind of walking around asking each other how they, you know, how their day was or what they do last night. So it's kind of the same thing. But we just, just a couple minutes and then we launch it. The other thing that the agency does, which I think is amazing, is on Fridays we will have a virtual happy hour. Uh, so Super and cool. we look forward to that as well. So that's usually at three. Um, they've done some wonderful things. Like they've sent us like a pizza making kit at one point. Oh, you know, cool. we got this random thing. That's awesome. Um, when I started, yeah, when I started at the agency, my very first day, there was a doorbell ring and I went there and it was DoorDash. And they had delivered this huge box of donuts to me. Um, and that's like, that's their thing that they do. That's a nice touch. Know, that's a nice touch. They know what they're doing. Yeah. It sounds kind of simple, but Hey, you know, it, it just, it is, it's a nice touch. It's like, it's like, Oh, this is cool. I got that. And I got like a t-shirt and a cool little backpack. And it's like, so it's just letting people know that, Hey, we are so excited that you've joined us and you matter to us. And so, you know, here's this really neat little thing. Uh, just to kind of make your day a little brighter. No, that's um, great. And it, and it truly feels like that. feels like it, at any given time, someone is out there wanting to know, hey, are you are you doing okay today? You know, I know we're all working on projects and design and stuff, but I just want to check in with you and make sure everything's okay. And, you know, you can get beyond just the the business, the day-to-day -day business, and just, just be honest with each other, have conversations. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, like... Culture is something that takes so many, it, it, there's so many layers and ways to do it, but at the, the root of any good culture is the people. So it's like, mm -hmm. if you can have people that care about it and are willing to allocate time away from like, you know, being in Figma or Webflow or whatever software you're using and taking time on like the people element, I think that'll ultimately be like way better. So um, yeah, it totally, totally resonates with me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like the, like the future of, you know, like the basement, like the direction. Sure. I mean, tech is at like a crazy kind of crossroads, different industries. Um, what, what do you, what, I guess like what excites you personally and where do you think the basement's going to be going in the next couple of years, like short-term strategy wise? Oh man, that is a great question. Um, I know that we are wanting to grow 
uh, aggressively. We've got big, big plans to reach into different markets to expand our capabilities. Um, they've, they've made the choice to hire folks in mature positions who have um, really um, you know, varied backgrounds. Um, and, and you can tell if they specifically picked out people. So, you know, it's, it's always good to have a mixture, right? You, you want to make sure you have junior and senior. Um, but a lot of times um, the senior folks tend to get rolled over uh, and you kind of like, okay, well, it's, I can get two junior folks for this or I can get this one person um, who maybe is a little bit more mature. But I, you know, I just don't know if it's going to work for us. Uh, so they take a chance on that, and they said, no, we, we really want to make sure that we've got some senior leadership that follows our culture, um, that moves us forward, um, and that helps us engage um, with some of these new clients. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. From a, from a technology point of view, you know, all cards are on the table. I'm really super, super pumped to get into um, voice-activated UX. That's been my own personal thing that I want to like keep pushing um, because it's, it's, you know, every year we get another several million, if not billion, uh, you know, consumers buying smart speakers. Um, and so that, that experience just keeps growing. Um, and a lot of folks are kind of ignoring that, um, especially some of these more mature industries um, because they're just, they don't, you know, they don't want to consider it. But it's like, Hey, if you've got, if you've got a product that's connects to a smart home, um, then you can probably imagine that folks are shopping that way as well. So that's another thing you need to take um, into consideration. No, I love that. I mean, it's, so you got to look at where the trends are going. So first, first easy trend is people are buying more smart speakers. The second trend is people are using them more. And the third trend is they're starting to do more advanced tasks. Add to shopping, yeah. like add to shopping list. You know, can you, you know, um, remind me to do X. So the, the more that people get comfortable and they make it part of the routine, we're going to start bridging like our everyday life with the products and companies that we love. Right. So it's like, um, there's a million like use cases that I can, I can think of, but it is an area that I'm particularly also like very excited for mainly because I think it's, I think it's, in, it, it's, it's, it's very challenging. Like it's a very difficult yeah. thing to design without an interface and to think about all the different people with different contexts. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're like on that, yeah. you're ahead, ahead of the curve there. I think there's like a lot to be, um, there's a lot more we could probably be doing. So that, that's awesome. Um, great. I mean, I think we kind of, we, we covered most of the stuff, um, I wanted to, to hit on. This is like the basement sounds like an awesome place to be. Your career path is incredibly inspiring. I think for most people that are kind <laughs> of like, not sure of like, you know, what they're doing. Um, I just, I always like to kind of get a, a taste for, you know, when you're not doing design work, what else like inspires you? Like, what else are you interested in? Ah, uh, so my second passion in life, well, actually I have a couple of different passions, but my second passion in life is music. Um, uh, so, uh, early on in high school, I kind of, I kind of did, I, I, I traded both paths, which was, uh, I want to be a musician. I want to be an artist. I kind of went back to it. And then through college, I was like, I minored in jazz, um, but I majored in design. Um, and then I kind of gave up being a musician for a while and, uh, about a decade ago, I had an opportunity to start playing again. Um, so 
I joined some cover bands, um, worked my way up, networked uh, through uh, other musicians. Um, and uh, so I played the saxophone. Uh, I have got a very, an alto, a tenor, and a very soprano. Cool. You know, you got to collect the whole whole thing. Um, but I love to play blues, uh, gospel, jazz, big band. Um, nice. A couple That's years awesome. ago, I got invited to join this really cool jazz orchestra called Joy Swing. Um, and so um, once a month, we get together and we perform. Uh, we've got to play. Uh, we got invited uh, five different times to go down to the Jazz Kitchen in Indianapolis, which is a really well-known nice. uh, awesome. jazz venue. Uh, and so we play there. Um I am just, a, I'm a second alto, so I just like, I'm along for the ride and I'm surrounded by amazing, um, hardcore jazz musicians. And it's just, it's like the coolest experience. It's like, if, you know, sit down and watch, think of any musician that you've always like, you know, been impressed by and, and think about how cool it'd be to sit next to that person on a stool and you're clicking your guitar or playing drums or whatever. And that person's next to you just wailing away. And you're just like, this is so cool. I'm, I'm sitting right next to them. So like every time we play, it's it's the same experience. There's a guy named Scott sits next to me, just amazing jazz musician. That's great. Um, I can't do it. That's my first love is design. Um, but again, second love is music. No, that's third awesome. Love, third love is, that's what I wore today, motorcycles. So I have a Triumph. Nice. Um, I like the trifecta, yeah. design, music, yeah. and motorcycles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome though. That's super cool. Um, well, listen, Kevin, this was great. I really, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, where can people find you? Like if they want to learn more about you or the basement, where should we point people? Oh gosh, I, I guess probably the best thing to do would be go to the basement site, uh, the basement.tv or the basement.com. Um, we can post those as well. And is that the basement uh, that's B S M N T.com, right? Yes. Or dot, dot TV okay. uh, for us. And then um, there's a shortened version as well, but that's probably the best way to get to us. Yeah, I'll add um, it to the show notes. I just wanted to make sure we're sending people sure. to the right place. <laughs> yeah, we've got some wonderful blogs on there as well. Uh, any aspiring designers, you know, please come there and, and check us out. We're always looking for folks. They're hiring. Um, they sound we're... great. The culture's awesome. Two thumbs yeah. up. Get them over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. Um, there's a ton of designers that follow uh, our podcast that are always looking for new new roles and opportunities. Uh, do you guys, is it, you guys are headquartered in Indianapolis? Is that right? Yes, we are. So we're currently um, working through some physical places, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what what does the future look like for us as far as you know? Do we all come in? Is that a hybrid workday? Do we commute? Do we stay remote? Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of people coming through the, going through the same thing. So our lease of our physical space was up last year and we decided, you know, let's just wait. Let's just see where this goes. Smart. And let's, yeah, let's, let's model this, whatever this looks like um, around whatever we think is best for our employees. Yeah. I love that. All right, Kevin, thanks so much. Um, we'll add all, uh, any other links that we forgot um, in the show notes. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Um, if you haven't done so for Design Huddle, for listeners, uh, subscribe. We just surpassed uh, 100K downloads, which was a big milestone for us. And we just launched our YouTube channel. So we're still spinning that up, playing with some different formats and clips. But um, Kevin, this was great. Thanks so much. And we'll look forward to having you or some of your maybe teammates on in the future. You got it, Ryan. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.